Coming up, the NFL free agency period is underway, and Joe Shane and the New York Football Giants are already making some in-house moves. But how will it impact what they do in free agency and ultimately the draft next month? We dive in next. Ah, yes, my friends, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, over there, Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir, before we dive in on the free agent conversation? I am doing good. It's nice to see some familiar faces come back to the Giants. Feels like, uh, you know, Joe Shane talked about getting a steady foundation. Adam, I'm feeling good. All the good feels. It feels like the Giants have a lot of positive things coming out of the beginning of the offseason. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, th this offseason is going to look different than it did last year. We've already heard Joe Shane talk about that. They're going to have more money to spend. There's still things that are going to happen here. The continuing negotiations with uh, with Saquon Barkley, excuse me, and, and what that's going to look like for him potentially long term with the Giants and then other moves. Dexter Lawrence extension seems to be getting some real traction this offseason, which will obviously provide the Giants with some additional cap relief. And then Leonard Williams. We haven't heard anything about that, which I find somewhat interesting. We'll see where that goes with a really big number on the books for this upcoming season. But they've made some flexibility here. And we know we have Kenny Galladay earmarked to be moved off from as well. A dead cap hit number coming. Will it be pre or post June 1? When will the money be available? All these good things. It's all happening around the team. And Joe Shane kicked it off, I think, in a fan-positive way. Although it comes with... I say strings attached, but it just comes with like interesting conversations. Sterling Shepard is being brought back on a veteran minimum, obviously still injured. I say interesting because the comments by Joe Shane were we're going to monitor his injury recovery. So this is a player that we all know, we all love, was around the team, was as big a cheerleader and supporter of this team this past season. And this is like a, a signing for a wait and see. I think it's a smart move. I think it's a, a feel-good move. But it doesn't necessarily mean anything yet for the Giants. Yeah, that's the interesting part. I think you you're you're very astute, Adam, in the way that Joe Shane kind of talked about it, as well as what the financials look like for this. Yeah. So this deal was a veteran minimum deal um, that was signed by Sterling Shepard. Um, the yearly cash ends up being just about one point two six million dollars, give or take. But Adam, the key number is that none of it is guaranteed until week one of the regular season. So. Basically, what this is, it's, it is a pact between the Giants and Sterling Shepard to say, you can use our facility, continue to rehab, continue to get better. And if it looks great for both of us, then we will continue moving forward to week one. But right now, it's just kind of like a promissory note to allow him to continue to train in case there, something happens while he's training in the Giants facility. Feels eerily similar to last offseason. Because that's exactly what it was. Yes, he does, yeah. he was. Yep, he was coming off of an injury. And excuse me as I try to get something, maybe sleep or just uh, maybe emotions because I often get emotional talking about Sterling Shepard. Same thing happened, right? Coming back from injury, want to have him around the team, ability to use the facility at the time. You said, I think correctly, hey, Sterling Shepard, it's smarter to be able to give yourself the ability to stay at the facility, have access to all the support, the medical staff, all that good stuff. 
got back out on the field, looked good until obviously got injured again and wasn't available. Listen, uh, hopefully he's able to come back healthy. I think it makes sense to have him around this team, especially at this cost. There's no real long-term commitment here, obviously beyond even not necessarily the start of the season. And the other thing to me is it's like, just remember, I know he's, he's 30 years old, so wide receivers can fall off at that point, even if they're healthy in their career. This guy, just by like statistics, average yards per rece reception in his healthy seasons as a giant, he's a top 30 wide receiver in the league. And, you know, we've had conversations where it was like, hey, maybe he's going to push towards top 20. The health, no matter what, is going to make it a problem to really put too much stock or faith in Sterling Shepard. But I'm happy that they're willing to take that look when it comes to him and just seeing hopefully if he can get himself back healthy a little bit and be a contributor in any way this upcoming season. Now, what is interesting about this then, though, too, is I think this is this is such a low level, you know, non-commitment commitment. But we know that the free agent market, as Joe Shane said, too, when talking about, yeah, number one wide receiver is important. Here's the problem. There's no number one wide receivers at home right now. Like that, you know, his words of like, there's not a guy to go get here on the open market. There's a lot of options. And then there's also the upcoming draft and some things happened out of the combine that could play into the Giants favor at that 25th overall pick. Just your thoughts on what it means here for the Giants in free agency. Do you think they're going to look at the landscape and say, is there a guy knowing Darius Slayton is, is going to be a free agent? Richie James, obviously, right? You have, you have uh, excuse me, Hodgins back in the fold here. You need to fill this thing out. I don't think the Giants can afford to walk into the draft saying we still need three wide receivers. Wide receivers. Yeah, the tough part, Adam, that you mentioned is that there really is no number one wide receiver on the free agent market. It feels like this is a really down year in terms of, of a big-time, big-name guy coming in that can make a huge impact. When you're talking about a guy like Jacoby Myers, who's never broken 1,000 yards, as like the marquee guy that you would be able to sign for $15 million a year, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in, or excitement from Giant fans. It is why everyone continues to talk about Odell Beckham being an option for the Giants because while he is injured, we know that his best years at least have a higher upside than anyone else. Now, whether or not Giant fans want to continue down that path with Odell, knowing that he's often injured, he hasn't had a lot of touchdowns in the last few seasons, and also he's going to command a lot of money. That's a whole nother discussion, but I think it's safe to say that Odell has the highest upside of any of these wide receivers that are available right now. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't really care. I, you know, the, the reports are he wants $20 million a year on a contract. There's no way the Giants are going to go into those waters. And it's funny because on the one hand, I'm talking about the feel-good story of, of you know, Sterling Shepard, who's a guy that can't stay healthy, et cetera. Also, OBJ, one of those guys, but certainly a higher-profile guy and someone that's had bigger success. Like, I get what the upside of that could be. I just – I really cannot get invested in those discussions. And I don't think – if you're the New York football giants, you have Wandell Robinson coming into his second season with injuries. You have the question about Darius Slayton. You mentioned Jacoby Myers, like Darius Slayton has 15 career catches over his short, young career for whatever he is or is not. Right. So like you have a guy in house in that regard. I just, I, the OBJ thing to me, um, I would be shocked if the giants went anywhere near those waters, unless things significantly change from OBJ side of it, where you're not looking for that size contract. Maybe it's incentive based, all those good things. And even then, like, you know, injuries are not predictable, but at some point the giants need to be able to feel like the players they are bringing in a key positions are predictable in being healthy and being available. And OBJ would certainly have those. And to your point, still injured. Like he spent a lot of last season making it look like he was going to be ready to go all for everyone to go. I don't think this guy was ready to play the entire year, essentially. Well, and, and Adam, let's just keep in mind too, to that point, like, you know, 
when you think about the Giants weapons that they have currently on the roster, Sterling Shepard, injured leg out for the season, has also had ACL injuries before. Wandell Robinson, injured ACL, out for the season. Saquon Barkley has had knee injuries in the past. He has been out. Do we really want the house of cards to be built on four or five guys that have had torn ACLs in the last 18 to 24 months when there may be other either safer options or other options through the draft that we may be able to address? For me, it just feels like this is a perfect opportunity for the Giants to go get a big-time wide receiver. More likely, it looks like they're going to probably use some of the high draft picks and draft capital to address the wide receiver market, which means that there may be an opportunity to look at the tight end position to be able to improve in free agency rather than the high end wide receiver market. Well, what I'll say too, so one last name I'll throw out and then we'll tie into the tight end uh, discussion because there's a, a name that we've already talked about this past during this past season uh, and now available obviously in the, on the market. Um, a guy that's coming out of Detroit after playing in Dax Jacksonville, DJ shark is a guy that like, I wouldn't hate the giants taking a look at here came off of a only 30 reception off of 52 targets. But you talk about guys that have upside. Remember, this is a player that in 2019 and 2020 had 73 catches for over a thousand yards. The catch percentage was bad the following year in 2020. But remember, like, again, where were they playing? Who are they playing with? Trevor Lawrence, different quarterback, you know, now than he was then. And even 2020, it wasn't even, that wasn't even Trevor Lawrence. That's probably going back to what? Um, uh, Gardner Minshew days at that point. So like, I like him, his touchdown production, 18 touchdowns there. Like 9.5 is the estimated market value for him. That's not a terrible number. Now, again, this isn't talking about hierarchy of positional needs and where I think the Giants should spend first in free agency, where the value can be. We'll talk about linebackers later this week, too. But he's certainly a name. And depending on how the market goes, one of two things is going to happen with wide receivers. Either dudes are going to start to get overpaid and it's going to get weird and you're not going to want to touch guys, even if they look like they could be productive because of the cost. Or the league's going to kind of collectively agree. It's, it's a soft market. And we'll give out deals, but they're not going to be anything astronomical, at which point maybe the Giants can bring in a body, maybe even bring back Darius Slayton because his market doesn't look so strong and go from there. But we'll have to wait and see. To your point about getting to tight end room, so two things have happened here. At the top of the draft coming out of the combine, one of the guys that pre-combine I was getting excited about uh, for the Giants on the defensive side was going to be Deontay Banks, the cornerback. Here's the problem. He looked electric at the combine. He did everything perfectly there. And even though he's like 25th overall, right on the nose in ESPN's big board, all of the mock drafts now have him going a little bit sooner. The benefit, a guy like Zay Flowers is seemingly fallen to a place where at least 60, 70% of the time he can be there for the Giants to go get. So it does create a new avenue there. I'll talk a little bit more about um, where I think the true value is at 25th pick for the Giants, it feels like a weird spot, at least right now. But the other way they can go at 25, a way that you and I don't think they should go, is tight end. Because you can get a weapon. That's also a receiving weapon. But you've been dying, Andy, to get a former Miami Dolphin into a New York football Giants uniform. This feels like, like a two-year journey for you, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, listen, I can admit when my... You know, just like your palate changes and, and you like sure. certain wines and certain foods that, that really, you know, excite you. I, I wanted to say one thing. A lot of people are talking about the tight end position and maybe using it, on uh, you know, the 25th pick in the draft on the tight end position. You and I could not disagree with that more. It is not a top of the line premium position. You don't need the 50 year option on things like that. I think you and I both agree. Whichever wide receiver that might fall, if Joe Shane likes him, I would much rather them do that. 
one person that you're talking about who has connections to the you know greater New York, New Jersey area is Miami Dolphins Mike Kosecki. Yeah. He kind of got phased out by Mike McDaniel in in uh, in Miami. Didn't really get too many snaps for the Dolphins. I had said the Giants should take a flyer on him and 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 move on with him. I am completely doing a 180, and I am fully out on Mike Kazeki. Nice. And the reason why is not necessarily how I feel, but it's reading the tea leaves and what Joe Shane cares about. And Mike Kazeki fits none of the things that Joe Shane actually looks for when he wants a player on offense. Yeah, that's funny. So it's um, it's a good reminder that you can like, you know, whatever, two years ago when you're looking at a certain player and you go, hey, he could fit in here. He can do X, he can do Y. But new regime, new coaching staff, new offensive system. And I mean, I'll, I'll combine it with the fact that we have a player in, you know, Daniel Bellinger. That that's one of the reasons why you and I think in the draft. Hey, do I want to add another tight end? Sure. But I'm perfectly comfortable at 128, 162, seeing where the tight end market looks in the draft, and still adding a really talented player as opposed to maybe going and overspending. Per uh, spot track right now. Gusecki is, is at 8.2 million on the market value. Like, again, that's a hard pill for me to swallow. And in a world where you told me that Joe Shane was willing to spend nine, 10 plus million dollars on the open market, the one thing I would say, and I bring up that number because there's another guy who's going to be on the market, and that's Dalton Schultz, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. $15 million on free agency for his value. This is where it becomes interesting to me. I am against drafting a tight end in the first round, but. If Joe Shane was going to start to indicate that he was willing to spend upwards of $15 million on the position in free agency, which I don't think he is, then I would say, well, if, you, if you're putting that high of a premium and value on, on getting that player, then I'll, I'd, oh, let's open door number two. That is the draft, and maybe it's a lot higher than I would prefer, but I'll take the much lower cost value there, especially on how the draft board could fall, right? So like some of these things are very financially based, especially if we're making choices between getting a tight end in free agency or a linebacker or a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, right? Yes, and you, you're hitting all the names that I've thought about too. Obviously, the Giants are thinking about them. I will go in order. First, on Mike Kazeki, I talked about how he doesn't fit the mold of Joe Shane. Yeah. There's two things that he doesn't do very well. One of them is block. He is not a very good blocking tight end, which doesn't really help his case if the Giants want to be a run-first offense. The second piece of it is, of all of the tight ends that they measured, he had a 1.9 average yards of separation, and you know the, the separation factor. It was the lowest of any tight end that was measured throughout the entire season. And when you hear Joe Shane talk about big-bodied wide receivers or smaller ones, He's like, I don't care what their size is. I care about how much separation they can get. So if sure. you're hearing Joe Shane talk about that for the wide receivers, if the guy doesn't block well and doesn't get good separation, I can't see Joe Shane paying a bunch of money to be like, yes, please, let's give you $30 million just to come in here and do that. So that's yeah. that's the advanced metrics on, on Gusecki. What I will say is Dalton Schultz, $15 million is a lot. Uh, run blocking grades on Dalton Schultz vastly improved. He was the fifth best run blocking tight end last year. He said he prides himself on that. He's gotten better. So he is an explosive red zone target. He is getting better in the, in the run game. So he can play all three downs. Yeah. I do like him, Adam, but at $15 million, you're basically saying we're foregoing the top of the line, free agent market on the wide receiver front. And we're going to try to do this um, through the tight end position. Me personally, there's someone else that I think that fits the sweet spot for the giants. And that would be Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith. He's younger. 
than Gasecki. He's younger than Dalton Schultz. He is 6'2", 240 pounds. He is a guy that can block defensive ends strongly. He can block defensive tackles if needed be. He's a great guy in the run game. He's young. He he goes in about $10 million, so he fits in between where Gasecki will be and Dalton Schultz, which may leave you money to go make decisions elsewhere, Adam. And so for me, I like the upside of a 24-year-old big-bodied athlete that is a good blocker today. That's a really good name to bring up because, like, you're scrolling through the list and you're seeing guys like Austin Hooper. And, you know, I think we all know where where, <laughs> where that path has gone, right? You see a guy like uh, Tunyon out of Green Bay, which is like kind of interesting just because he's had productive years. His market value is around five million. So they're like, you know, this spectrum of low cost versus premium expenditures. But Irv Smith's a really good example, and we know because they have T.J. Hawkinson in Minnesota now after making the trade with Detroit, right? So like that hierarchy has certainly shifted. And at ten million dollars, you just you would assume that Minnesota is going to have other areas of needs that they're going to want to address sooner. And then if they're thinking about replacing a guy that has that kind of skill set, well, we'll go to the draft and in a mid or late round pick, get a guy that's a good blocking tight end and on down the line. The Giants can look at it and say, hey, there's a bit more of a premium here. And if you're thinking about the development of you know Evans on the one side of our offensive line, hey, having a guy like that's great. If you're thinking, depending on how free agency or the draft goes, maybe getting additional offensive linemen is going to be a little more difficult. Hey, Let's go ahead and check that box. And I actually think that Irv Smith, like when you watch him, he, he's one of he, he is one of my like from afar favorites where you just go, yeah, like, you know, he, he blocks and he takes on dudes. But then he's like casually productive as a receiver as well. Like, you know, he's not going to be the pure athlete that you expect from other from other players or higher profile names. I like that one. If you told me that like $10 million a year was the deal at 20, he's going to he's only 24 and a half. He'll be 25 in the upcoming season. That's the kind of signing at what? two or three years, you could say, oh, look, for the life of Daniel Bellinger's rookie contract, we'll have him paired with a guy that has some experience, has great blocking grades, and we can be productive with inside of our offensive scheme. I like that one a lot, man. That owns yeah, you. That's it, full credit for you. I didn't I didn't just talk at wind about it so I could then say, like, and remember, I was the guy that brought it up. You're like, shout out for me, discovering Irv Smith. Shout out. I mean, he, he went to Alabama. He's got the pedigree. He's got the size yeah. and stature to be really good, and he feels like the type of guy that Joe Shane would invest money in considering he is young, he has untapped potential. He, to your point, he he's really good at, you know, pairing with Daniel Bellinger. You could do two tight end sets. And depending on how it works with fixing this offensive line, his size and stature on the outside will help that run game, you know, <laughs> just overall. So for me, I would say if we're going to kind of dance in those waters, I don't know if I want a 30-year-old Hayden Hurst at $8 million on a one-year deal who's one of the worst run blocking tight ends in the league. Like to me, it, I feel like those are the things that Joe Shane values. And he's just a guy to, to keep in mind as, as we look forward um, to some of the free agencies, w what I will say, and, and just kind of tapping on um, one of the other guys that didn't hit free agency for the New York giants was Jamie Gillen. Yeah. Scottish hammer punter is back on a two year, $4 million deal it was just announced in the last 20 minutes, Adam, I believe. Um, what, what's your initial thoughts on, on the signing uh, with the Scottish Hammer coming back for year two? This is funny. So we talked about this. Um, I think that this is an example of um, when the players on your team, you're, you, you, you hyper-focus on what feels like could be real issues or problems. What do we know about for sure for, about Jamie Gillian? Not a great directional kicker, right? Wasn't fantastic at pinning guys inside the 20s. Had struggles. Inconsistent. We saw the quotes um, from Joe Shaner. If you didn't see them, it was, we think that he's still a very young player and is still figuring out his craft. He's only three years into the league, you know, three full seasons in the league. 
having played in Cleveland prior. And if you go and look at it, he got back to his like rookie year in terms of production in the yardage that he was putting down the field here. I actually, some of the numbers that I had down on him, which are going to be like misguided because there's ties, you know, guys that had the same type of numbers in different categories. But it was funny because when I went in and looked at it, like in the old, where there are clear areas that we need him to improve. But if I go into my notes, I had it where he is 15th in the average punts uh, yards per game. He had 46.8, I think it was. He was now, here's here's one of the problems, 26th in net yards. Now, one side of that is Jamie Gillian. The Scottish Hammer is out punting coverage and not giving his guys a chance to get down there. The other one is the Giants had terrible special teams last year. So maybe if we were more productive in that phase of the game, they would be better. 11th in total net yards, 9th in total punts. So, you know, he's both being productive in the volume, but then also the yardage is commiserate with that, which I think matters. 15th in terms of being inside the 20. And how about this for one? A high volume guy. He was fourth in fair catches, but only 26th in down punts. And that was my biggest one. I know this is long winded on punting, but 26th in down punts means what? You're doing enough hang time, enough of the big leg that your coverage team is getting down there calling for fair catches. That's good. What's even better, though, is when you have the opportunity to pin a team, have that ball bouncing around the 15, the 12, and getting towards the goal line and letting your special teams come in and down those. Those were few and far between. Are there areas for him to improve? Of course. But when you go look at the stats, he's a top 20-ish kind of punter in the league, maybe a little bit better. It's a two-year deal for $4 million that can get to $5 million with some incentives. Like, I, you need a punter in this league. There are 12 to 15 guys that would be worse options. I don't like, I, I hope that nobody's really sweating this very relatively small commitment. Well, listen, Adam, any longtime listener of OGP knows that you hate the special teams. You hate the kickers. You hate, you, you don't even consider there to be three phases of the game. So this for you there have been times like, when I've ignored them as being a yeah, part of the, that, that is, the, that is true. You just even about. forget yeah. that they're even on the roster when we're building out yeah. the roster. Uh, okay. I will say you gave us some, some decent statistics. What, what I think is, you know, when you talk about, well, he was ninth in total punts. It's like, I, I don't know if that's a good stat to be around. It's, it's not, like not, not, neither pro nor negative for him. Right. It's just, right. It's just like they toted him out there the ninth most amount of times. And what I will say is as a result of that, his, the, the, the advanced metrics that we look at, just not, not like how many yards you punt it, right. but his touchback percentage. 30 that, was, that was the worst one. That, yeah. That's a real damning one for him. Yeah. Inside the 20 percentage. 31st in the league like both of those times when you're talking about pinning him deep you mentioned it before he has struggled mightily his hang time percentages is really good too that's the frustrating frustrating part he's giving people a chance to get down there the other one is punt epa so the expected points added was negative 0.01 which puts him 23rd out of 35 punters so he is uh, by most metrics a bottom third punter in the league and the giants are paying him with the 12th highest average annual salary. So they're saying we're expecting him to improve yeah. and in an area where Joe Shane has been counting nickels and dimes and dollars and cents to be able to make a roster. It seemed fascinating to me that he wanted to bring him back for more money than say a veteran minimum because he still sees something there. And so, yes, is it a couple hundred K is it a half a million dollars more than I expected him to even resign for? Sure. He really does need to improve because he's one area. The, the Giants special teams was bottom five overall in the league. And that was with Graham Gano hitting 90% of his field goals. Like our kicker is amazing. And yeah. we're still bottom five in the, in the league. You would expect them to try to improve areas if we're 
bringing back Casey Kreider, long snapper, just signed signed with us again. We're bringing back the punter. We're bringing everyone else back. Where do the improvements come from, Adam? Well, I'll be, well so I think yeah, a couple areas that you improve in, and this will go into the draft. I talked about some guys that I think middle to late rounds have special teams, you know, immediate impact, especially as gunners, guys a little more size. Like, you need to be more productive in those areas. We know we have a longtime special teams coach that's been here over regimes. Hey, you need to be more productive in this. You need to get Jamie Gillian to be a more consistent punter. And to your point, it's like, is this weird thing, right? So what, what, you know, what is the ultimate problem with our special teams this past year? You have Graham Gano, phenomenal. One of the top in the league. You have Jamie Gillian, a guy who's, you know, 20 mid twenties in a lot of categories, but we're one of the worst special team units overall. So that point, like the hierarchy goes everybody else, then Jamie Gillian, and then not even on the list is Graham Gano. And that's, I think, like to me is, is one of the biggest factors in it. Now, again, the lack of like pinning guys in the 20 matters here for sure. The 12.2 touchback percentage is miles beyond where it needs to be. But like, I just, again, I don't know if those little incremental changes are as hard to correct or make mild adjustments to as we might think, right? Like Jamie Gillian, you're bombing these things. So spend the entire offseason working on your directional punts. Like that's it. The legs are already there. Don't worry about the leg. Just worry about directing these kicks in, you know, into the corners, coughing corner punts, opportunities for special teams to get down there. If he marginally improves, I'll be like the 15th best punter in the league this year. And like, it won't, you know what I mean? Like ultimately it won't matter. And by the way, I also think like we're talking about some bad drives, stalled drives where Jamie Gillian improperly was going, I'm going to smash this thing because we're on our own 26. And it turns out he can bomb that thing out and then lose net yardage when it goes into the end zone or whatever the case may be. Like get a little refined, tighten it up. Like I just, I'm not sweating it. I think that's mostly what like my, my big takeaway here is like, Please don't have me tell have like fans being like, what are we doing with Jamie Gillian? Because it's not going to matter in the slightest this offseason in terms of moves you want to make. And then we'll get to the year, right? And if this dude is if he's the same player he was this year or this past season, next season, then I'll be annoyed by it. But I'm gonna go ahead again. We keep talking about like putting some faith in Joe Shane and the organization now that they feel like they're on a better path. I'm gonna put a little bit of faith that they like what they saw from Gillian and they think the value is there. Let me ask you a question, Adam. 57 years old. You think we could trot out Jeff Fiegels just to throw a couple caddy corner punts uh, in, into the side of the end zone next year? Or it sounds like we're just sticking with Jamie Gillen. Yeah, I don't know what hamstrings are like at 57. I'm not there yet. I'm, you know, a good 20 years off. But I don't think. Maybe one. Maybe one. Because you'd see the beautiful arc of a 17-yard punt combined with the echoing sound around Giant Stadium of, as Jeff Fiegels is slowly wheeled off. Riley Dixon, by the way, I will say Dixon, like I was looking because he kept popping up a couple of times in these stats. I was like, well, Dixon's ahead of him in this category. Like Dixon's ahead of, of the Scottish Hammer in this category. And that was like a funny little note too, because again, this is what it is. You just, you rotate through these guys and hopefully, you know, he's 26 years old. If he figures it out, punters can be Jeff Fiegels punting until there's 40. So it's like, you know, you sort this out. Maybe you end up having a nice long-term uh, solution for this team. At the end of the day, we have a long ways to go here in free agency. We hinted there around the top of the draft and some of the things that are going to happen here. We will come back in and talk about what is the realistic possibility that tight end is more on the board at 25 than maybe it previously was because of the way it's falling there. Like I'll, I'll pressure Andy 
would you accept taking a tight end at the 25th overall pick? Will there be other options maybe for the Giants to slide back a little bit? And we're already seeing things happen around the league. We're mentioning the tight end formerly from the Dolphins. They also have a new cornerback there clearing $37 million in Jalen Ramsey over the next two years from the LA Rams book. So like, there's a lot of other things happening here. Tampa Bay is shedding contracts left, right, and center. So I think like free agency is going to be interesting. There's a lot of teams that are still waiting. Aaron Rodgers' impact on the Jets, on the Raiders, on the, the Green Bay Packers. Like all of these things matter here and in some ways will hold up a little bit of secondary mechanics, which could benefit the Giants, by the way, because the Giants don't need a quarterback. So they get to go to the market and say, yeah, those teams are waiting before they make decisions on linebackers, cornerbacks, tight ends, wide receivers. Maybe we get in there early, and that's all the indications. Joe Shane and the Giants intend to be much more active this year in free agency because they have money and because they believe they can improve key positions. Keep in mind, legal tampering uh, starts today, which means yeah, that you can start negotiating. You'll you'll hear deals popping up left and right all of a sudden today during this legal tampering period, and you'll be impressed with how quick they were able to manufacture the specific contract details like they weren't talking about it before the legal tampering position existed. To your point, Adam, really good news for the Giants. They have their quarterback locked up that they, they like and they appreciate. They don't have to wait for Aaron Rodgers. They don't need to hold cap space for Jimmy Garoppolo. They can go make these additions. They can restructure contracts if they need to. I expect the Giants to be active. Be on the lookout. The linebacking position, the tight end position, and the wide receiver position are three areas I could see the Giants being early you know, uh, options in free agency for them, not necessarily waiting to the secondary market. We'll hear some news as it comes out. We'll obviously update, kind of give the feedback on, on, on initial thoughts, but the Giants will be active. It starts today. Let's see what Joe Shane's first free agency moves with money is. Yeah, uh, Gerard Davis also brought back by the Giants too, a guy that was playing with him last season. And, you know, that's not good. That's not the big one. That's not the big linebacker move, but it's certainly on the table here. And Leonard Williams contracts, Dexter Lawrence extension conversations. I think you'll hear those things heat up if it sounds like the Giants are trying to make more than one big or two big moves this off season. In the meantime, friends, you get over to YouTube. One giant podcast. You subscribe, you turn on the alerts so you know when we're premiering episodes. You go over to the podcast feed wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as Andrew Makowitz, until next time, would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go big blue. Go big blue.